What's this egg doing everywhere? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> was that fun? That was fun. I don't know if Max and Blake had fun, but I had fun. That was good fun. I stole that bit from Jimmy Fallon. He does that on his show, the late night show or whatever. And last, uh, I think it was this week, he did it with David Beckham. <laughs> David Beckham lost. Um, I just thought that was super funny. I w- I, we need to do that up there. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, good evening. Uh, my name is Johnny Brower. I'm one of the pastors here at First Methodist Mansfield. More specifically, uh, I'm the pastor over the student ministry department. So here at United Student Ministries, I am the pastor, the pastor. Uh, I'm thrilled that you've decided to join us tonight for our annual sex series. Um, whether it was on purpose or you stumbled in here and now you're in for a really awkward 30 minutes here. <laughs> um, either way, uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, like I said before, special welcome to you. Um, and I really would, really would like to meet you afterwards. Um, and uh, I know our, our interns and other staff would as well. Um, always, always good to see people. Uh, in church. So, like I said, uh, this is our annual sex series. Um, truth is, we, we always try to sprinkle in um, some of the biblical principles that we have about um, dating and relationships and, and who we are as people, uh, both, you know, platonic and romantic relationships. We try to sprinkle that in uh, in all of our series, but we also try to, um, at least once a year, if not more, um, to dedicate um, several weeks um, to really diving in deep to some of these some of these principles, uh, <clears throat> we want to give ourselves a good uh, theological framework with which to think about sex, uh, dating, and, and our romantic relationships because those those things are important. It's part of it's part of who we are, and as we grow up, hopefully this 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 framework and, the, and these principles will help guide our decisions and lead us to the best, happiest fullest life possible. Those of you that were here last week for our series, you, you uh, get what I'm saying. Um, so I want to take this time right now to, to say, um, if you missed our last series, how, do we, how to Be Happy, and you're interested in that, uh, you can go to firstmethodistmansfield.org slash media. All sermons from all of our services, um, but uh, our Wednesday night services are w- as well, are up there. You can go catch up or re-listen. Encourage you to do that. Also, um, if you end up missing one of these nights, they will be um, posted up there. But I encourage you to be here. Uh, it's always better in person, I guess. Um, and so uh, I, I'm thankful that you're here tonight. I know some of you have really been looking forward to this um, for some reason. It's it's exciting to have the awkward awkwardness in the room. But some of you I know maybe got tricked into being here, got drug here. Uh, like I said before, maybe stumbled in. Uh, your friend promised you cake or cookies or something, and you, you came unwittingly, um, and you're scared to death. You have no idea what I'm about to say or what's going to happen, and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, the next four weeks um, uh, of this series might get a little uncomfortable. The next four weeks um, might have some moments that, that cut a little deep. There may be some moments where there's some pain, some past pain or current pain that kind of gets uncovered. Um, And I can almost guarantee you there will be awkwardness. But my hope is that we can embrace that. We all here can just embrace all of that, knowing it's coming, embracing ourselves so we're not caught off off guard um, and and thrown off what we're trying to do here. So before we go any further, um, what I feel like we need to do is establish what our goals are, right? That that establishes some accountability with you, 
um, and, and with ourselves. I, w- I want you to know where we're going. That way, over the next four weeks, you can think, hey, he said we were going to do this, but he's not doing that. I need to tell him so that next time he corrects or whatever. This, this is our goal um, our, for this series. We, we have a couple of them. Um, the first is this. Our ultimate goal is to reclaim the idea that sex is purposeful and meaningful. We want to reclaim the idea that sex is purposeful and meaningful. Sex is a gift from God, and he wants you to have great sex. This is true. I know that sounds really awkward for me to say, uh, but God does. He created it. It's supposed to be good, beautiful, awesome, powerful, significant. It's supposed to be all of those things, and, and he wants you to experience that. And so, essentially, this, sec- this series is about having great sex. It's how, it's how to accomplish that. It's how to get ourselves in a place where we can enjoy what God has created for us in the best way possible. Uh, and we want to present what we believe is the best pathway to achieve those things. Let me stop right there. Again, I, I know some of you that, whether, uh, whether you attend here regularly or this is your first time here, I know some of you come and, and may not be so sure about the whole God thing, uh, not so sure about how you, how you feel about Christianity or anything like that, and that's, that's totally okay. My, my hope is that you find something in here uh, that maybe will resonate with you, that will, that will speak with you, uh, speak to you, um, and if you are a Christian, hopefully this is just amplified by some of the stuff you already know and believe. Um, but uh, honestly, over the next four weeks, we, we are mixing in not only biblical wisdom and principles, but also scientific research uh, and, and practical knowledge that will hopefully create this framework um, that, that we're wanting to accomplish here. Um, so I want you to know that, that it's okay it's okay to not know where you stand with God and still be here and, and hear these things because I, I believe that there's, there's truth in here for everybody. Um, so the second thing is this. We want to adjust our theological fl- framework with which we think about our sexuality around the idea of intimacy. Intimacy. And we want to establish purity as the path to intimacy. Now that word intimacy gets thrown around here and there. Um, and that's something that we are going to cover uh, in depth. Uh, we won't tonight, but for right now, I just want you to be thinking about that word. What we're trying to do here is establish purity as a path to intimacy. Thirdly, we want to give you the tools to succeed. It's, it's very easy for us to get up here and spout off a bunch of theological nonsense and scripture verses, and then for you to go out in the real world and go, how does this even apply? How does this work? You know, it's really easy to sit in church and talk about these things, but how does this how do I apply this to my real life? We hope that you adopt the goal of reclaiming sex as meaningful and purposeful, um, that you're able to adjust the way you think about sex, and that we give you the practical tools to help you accomplish that, those goals. That's, that's a hope. And lastly, here's our last goal. We want to do all of this without the use of fear, guilt, or shame. Instead, we want to be direct. We want to be gracious. And we want to be hopeful. We want our words to be full of life because we believe that Jesus came to give us life, full life, to drive out fear and darkness. And all too often when when speaking about sex, um, whether it's the the church world or whoever, when, when talking about sex, we often unintentionally or intentionally demonize it. We tell you it's bad, it's awful, it's a sex, it's sin, it's dirty, ah! And then all of a sudden... We say, but get married, and it's beautiful and wonderful and awesome. Like, it's this totally contradicting view of what sex is and sexuality is. And, and our, 
our hope here is to, to talk about it directly and honestly and, and, and graciously and with hope for what it can be. Uh, chances are some of you in this room may, may do a really good job of heaping enough shame and guilt on yourselves. And we're, we're not here to do that. We're here to show you a new way. We're, her, we're here to provide a light, a way that leads to life. Okay? Is that good? Is that, are those good goals? Okay. Thank you. Uh, so those are our goals. So we're going to begin setting this uh, theological f- framework uh, if we're going to do that, we've got to begin with this truth. This is the first place we've got to start. So basically take everything you think you know about sex, throw it out, and we're starting with this first simple and profound truth that sex is spiritual. Sex is a spiritual thing. It is not simply a physical act. Obviously, it involves some physical action, but it is not simply physical. That sex is a spiritual act. We live in a world that tries to convince itself that sex is simply physical. That it's simple biology or, or instinct. Right? It's just a drive in all of us that we have, and so why not? After all, we're nothing more than animals, right? So why don't we just act on that animal instinct, on, on what comes naturally to us. So uh, if you look in the Bible, and those, I say this all the time, and those of you that are here often, you know this, uh, I, I love to reference the book of Genesis. I love to go back to the beginning um, because it paints a picture of what, how things should be or supposed to be, how God dreamed them to be. Um, and then you kind of get this picture of how, how we strayed away from that. And so to get a picture of what should be, can be, would be, uh, to get that picture in our heads help us, helps us lay out the path. It gives us some direction on where we're going. So in the book of Genesis chapter 1, you'll find the very first chapter. So it's the very first chapter in the entire Bible. You will find this poem that the writer of Genesis uses to describe the beginning of things. And in this poem, it's divided up by days. You know, God creates sun and the moon and the light and the dark and fish and da-da-da-da. You get to day six. And God created both animals and humans on day six. Here's what it says. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of, earth, of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. God creates the animals, and then God does something entirely different, something that doesn't happen for any other thing in all of creation. God creates people in his own image. What the writer of Genesis is telling us there is that there is a clear distinction, a clear distinction between human and animals. There's a clear distinction between humans and the rest of creation for that matter. But especially on this sixth day, there's a clear distinction between humans and animals. He didn't just speak humans into existence. He created them in his own image. And as you read on later, you find out that he, he breathed his breath into them to give them life. This is saying that there's something different about us. There's something 
deeper. There's something spiritual about who we are, not that we are God, not that we will become God, but that something of God exists within us and that we reflect who God is. We reflect who God is like. So with that understanding, we, we think about today. Does anybody in here have a dog? Does everybody catch their dog just sitting around thinking about the direction of their life, where it's going? Sad about it's not going where they had planned it to go all along. And I mean, no. <laughs> Cats aren't sitting around reflecting over their last year, wondering how they could be a better pet in 2014. What are their goals? How can I, just, how can I be a better pet? I was a rotten pet last year. How do I, how do I get better? Horses don't wonder if, if the relationship is real or if the stallion only wants her for her body. <laughs> they're, they're not thinking that. There's no higher plane of thought. It's just biology, period. It's instinct. And so when we treat sex as purely a physical act, when we reduce our actions to nothing more than animal instinct, when we make excuses like, I just, I just couldn't help myself, or I don't know what came over me, or it's just a hookup, it's no big deal, it's just one time, nothing serious. When, we're in attempt, uh, when we are tempted to ignore our conscience, our sense of higher purpose, we start sacrificing what it means to be fully human. Because we were created differently. There's something deeper about us. We reduce ourselves to nothing but animals. And are we really just the sum of our urges? Is that all we are? Is just these desires and instincts and we just act on them? That's, that's, that's all there is to us. Here's where this gets more difficult. Is that people know that we do have these drives, that we do have these urges, that we have these desires. And let me, let me, let me repeat right now that there, there's nothing wrong with the desire to have sex. Like I said, God created it beautiful and wonderful, and, and, and you should desire that. You should want that. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with sex. There's nothing wrong with a sex drive. It's what we do with it. It's how we treat it. Are we just the sum of our urges? Here's where it gets more difficult is people know this, especially advertisers. Under, advertisers understand this probably better than anybody, <laughs> that there's this instinctual urge. There's lurking inside of us each one of us. And, and so one of the most powerful weapons in, in an advertiser's arsenal is to appeal to our sex drive, to uh, appeal to that sexy part of us, right? Sex is used to sell everything. TV shows, TV shows that aren't even about sex, they'll show the sexiest scene to be like, hmm, intrigued, I'm in, right? Movies, too. It could be an action movie, it could be a comedy, but they show you this really sexy scene and they think, ah, that, that piques your interest. It's provocative. I want, I want to see it. It provokes me to go watch it. It resonates with something inside of me. They know this. Uh, beer. 
cars, burgers, <laughs> that have all been sold using sex as a motivator. Burgers! <laughs> Is sex so trivial that we reduce it down to something that sells burgers? Have you been outside in the summertime and smelled somebody grilling a burger? It doesn't need sex (laughs) to sell it. It smells good, and I'm going to be there and eating it no matter what. But when we trivialize sex like that, when we reduce it down to nothing but physical and pure instinct, and we sell burgers with it, What are we doing? So a pastor in Kansas City, pastor is one of the largest Methodist churches in the, in the world. His name is Adam Hamilton, and he wrote a book recently, just came out, called Love to Stay. In that book, he says this, We've allowed society to dictate what sex is and what it means. And consequently, sexual intimacy has lost much of its beauty, power, and significance for far too many people. I'm going to give you a second to just read that again to yourself and think about that. When we flip through a magazine and we see these photoshopped images of of women, when we see ads and articles and commercials displaying men in these roles and women in these roles and sex playing this role, it ends up creating a lot of fear and anxiety around the idea of sex. That's why we named the series Naked and Afraid. You'll find out later in one of the other weeks when we read about um, the story of humans coming together and, and, and joining together and becoming as one flesh. It talks about them being naked and unafraid and totally unashamed. But later when they divert from God's plan, when they rebel against him, all of a sudden they notice their nakedness and they become fearful. There's a lot of fear and anxiety that surrounds sex because of the way we treat it, and it's unintentional. We don't want it. We're we're hoping that in some sense we're liberating ourselves when we talk about sex as just a physical thing, and that it's it's liberating. But in all reality, we end up enslaving ourselves and, and, and hindering something that It's supposed to be great and beautiful. These images that we're given create a lot of fear in us when it comes to sex, a fear that we aren't sexy enough. I know some of you in here are thinking that. You see these pictures and you're like, I I don't look like that. And that's obviously apparently what guys or girls want, but I'm not that. A fear that we aren't experienced enough, a fear that we're not worth enough, fear that we aren't adequate A fear that my belly is too big, that my boobs are too small, that my ankles look weird, that size matters and I'm not big enough. It creates that fear. And it creates that anxiety and it creates that shame and that awkwardness. And so when it comes time to be fully intimate with somebody, to share yourself with somebody more than you can with anybody else, There are walls there. There's fear there. What are they going to think about me? Are they judging me? Are they comparing me? Fear comes into play where it does not 
belong. Something that's supposed to be so beautiful and powerful and significant becomes something damaging, something harmful, something to be feared. We all know down deep inside of each one of us that sex isn't just physical. We know that, I think. Uh, If it were simply physical, then this would be a, a really easy sermon. I would only need one night. It'd be very easy. And it would be filled with advice on how to not get STDs, how to only get pregnant when you're ready, and to be sure that nobody gets hurt and everybody consents. That would be it. See you later. Y'all have a good night. Let's pray. If, if sex was purely physical, that's all there would be. That's all, there's, that's all there is to talk about. But sex isn't just physical. If sex was just physical, then why is sexual abuse so crippling? Why can't somebody who's experienced sexual abuse just shake it off? If sex is just physical. If sex is just physical, then how, how come affairs destroy marriages? I mean, my wife doesn't get mad if I high-five somebody else. That's just physical. <laughs> if sex is just physical, then why is that so destructive? If sex is just physical, then why does it continue to show up when people start talking about their, their biggest regrets or the things that affect them poorly in their life? Often when I sit down with people and I, I talk to them and I, you know, they're, they're sharing things that are just deep hurts and, and regrets and pain in their life. It's never, I was at the mall and I, I backed into this car and then I just drove away. I didn't even leave a note. Am I going to hell? That's not it. It's because I think we know down deep inside of us that sex isn't just physical. There's something more to it. There's something powerful there that if it's used incorrectly, could really harm us. In 1 Corinthians, um, the, the Apostle Paul, who happened to write the majority of the New Testament, the New Testament obviously comes after the Old Testament, um, Paul never actually walked with Jesus, but had an encounter um, with disciples of Jesus and, and had the spiritual encounter and then dedicated his life. Before it was dedicated to persecuting those who, who were Christian, and his life did a complete 180. And he ended up writing, his letters comprised the majority of the New Testament, uh, one of the greatest theologians um, the world has known. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes this, Flee from sexual immorality. We hear that one a lot. That's uh, no surprise there. But here's, here's the profound part, in, in my opinion, that all other sins a person commits are outside their own body. They are separate from them. They are sins that affect someone else. But they who sin sexually sin against their own bodies. They sin against themselves. All other sins affect somebody else. All other wrongdoings affect someone else. But when, when we treat sex wrong, when we treat sex uh, outside of what God intended for us and, and, and wants for us, we harm ourselves. 
He goes on to say this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Paul's essentially saying, did you not know that there is something holy that resides in you, that you are more than just animal, you are more than just physical, that a piece of God, there's this spark that is in you, that anything you do, but especially sex, is not just physical. It's not something to be taken lightly. Did you know that you are more than just flesh and blood, that you are more than an animal? Did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? As you'll find out over the next couple of weeks, there's some um, um, research that's been done on this subject and lots of articles that have been written lately um, that written by non-Christian people, people, um, atheists, agnostics, um, totally unbiased, actually, um, articles that begin to talk about this very nature of sex being more than just a physical act. It's actually a very interesting read. And here we have somebody 2,000 years ago writing it, urging the people that want to follow Christ, that want to have that fullness of life that he promises, urging them to, rem- to remember that their bodies are temples, they are spiritual beings. Sex is spiritual. Sex is designed to be beautiful, to be powerful, significant, passionate, unashamed, fearless. Sex is designed to be fearless. And you have a chance to get this right. It's not, it's not too late. It's not too late. We, we sit in this room, there's, there's people of all ages, varying degrees of, of belief, and, and some of you may be thinking, well, too late for me. I mean, I'm here, I might as well not cover the rest of this because all this stuff he's saying doesn't apply to me anymore. I guess, I, I guess I've, I've lost that spark, that divine. That's not true. There's grace and there's hope. Like I said, this message is hopeful. This next four weeks I hope, are hopeful that there is something more there's something different ahead. It's not too late. You, you all have an opportunity to get this right. You have an opportunity to experience exactly what God had in store for you. But we have to be careful. Because we'll see over the next coming weeks that there's, there's, there's ways um, that we can unwittingly damage something that is meant to be a beautiful gift. And, and hopefully we will be able to uncover some of those lies like tonight that, that sex is purely physical. That it, the truth is that sex is a very spiritual thing. We'll start to uncover some of these things and begin to build that framework of what our sexuality is around this idea of intimacy so that as we move forward, we move forward with the confidence that we need that we move forward that knowing what's in store for us and what's ahead of us and what God has planned for us and what God wants for us, that we don't move forward ashamed of who we are as people. But the knowledge that there's power, there's something divine in us.
Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, our Creator, we come to you tonight, God, and and I just want to thank you, God, for the courage of these students, the bravery to come and, and, and sit through awkwardness, God, to sit through maybe some hurtful or painful things, God, but we, we do it because we long for you. We long for your presence, and we long to know you, God. We long to know the, the blessings and, and, and the, the amazing fullness, God, that you have in store for us. We want to know that, God, and, and, and we want to attain that. So we're seeking you, God. We're seeking your will. We're seeking your guidance. Gotta pray for these students. It's, it's it's tough out there. We are constantly bombarded with this message that that sex is just physical. So, sex is something that is used to sell things. It is a commodity. It's mechanical. And God, little by little, as these mess, we're, we're being robbed, God, of the power and the beauty, the significance of this gift, God, that you have given. We long to experience it, God, the way you had planned for us to. Give us the strength, God, to to follow that path. To understand that, that, that chastity or celibacy is not the end goal here. That the end goal is is to experience the gift of sex as you would love us to experience it. And that we understand purity now is that pathway to experiencing that. We thank you, God, for your presence in this place as we have come to gather and worship your name. The creator of the entire universe is here, cares about us. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.